And I like to tell people that I don't care what your race is. I don't care what your religion is, politics, any of that stuff. This DNA of helping other people is, is really part of who we are. And what happens in business and the reason why people become bad actors is they really lose sight of their humanity of, you know what, we're really hardwired to help other people. And if we just surrender to that and trust that it'll come back to us, um, a, a lot of good things will come our way. And so I just learned that I just needed to be patient with it um, and just try and find ways to help other people. And if you help enough other people, then they're going to help you in return. Hey, what's up, everybody? Today we have for you another fantastic episode of the None of Your Business podcast, and I am super excited to tackle a topic. It's a, it's a topic that I think that for every business owner, it's it's something that you know you have to do. Mm. Um, this idea of networking, creating relationships, but it's also something, if we're completely honest, that the majority of people kind of dread. Probably because there's a lot of misinformation Stigma, yeah. and just puts bad advice, yeah. right? Like this, you know, it's it's an it's an old school concept that has been brought forward into modern times, but a lot of people are still teaching old, old school, school concepts. concepts. <laughs> and then it makes it really awkward. And the first time you do it, you kind of feel like I don't know how well that went. And you're in a room potentially, depending on you know the setting or how we're doing this. But you know, if I'm trying to introduce myself to the world. I want to build my network. I want to create some relationships. And then I get with people who are not very genuine, who don't understand how to build relationships or just jamming their business cards in my face. Like our like, mentor we, Dave says, it's a bleeder versus they're a feeder. All bleeders. They're bleeders. But I'm like, you know, I, yeah. I walk out of there and I and, and every every single one of you listen right now, just think about this. Somewhere in your office, if you have a brick and mortar, if you've ever engaged in networking, you got that big giant stack. Of business cards, cards. yeah, huge, and you're like, what am I even doing what do I with next? these? The next, all these people just gave you these cards, so it's all it's funny because sometimes networking, I feel like it's a it's an exercise in collecting. It's like I'm trying to collect as many cards as I can, put them in like an album or something to show off like how many cards I have. Well, we're very fortunate because today we have a veritable guest, a veritable expert. Sorry, as the guest, <laughs> he's a veritable guest too. Frank Agan is with us. And he is um, an absolute master. He has a company um, that he has formed called Am Spirit Business Connections. And just right there, like, okay, I want to know more about listen. this. Let's That's talk right. business connections. Let's talk about how we can empower people to get up off the couch, to embrace and fall in love with this idea that so many people may be resistant to. Mm -hmm. So, Frank, welcome to the None of Your Business podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you. But Let's uh, start. Let's start first with the question that we present to every guest. Um, you know, when when somebody comes on and and you know through the course of this program, you demonstrate your knowledge and expertise. It's easy to lose sight. Right? So many. It's so so easy for us to forget. Like, you know, where did we come from? Where did you come from? 
Um, a lot of times people think, well, of course, Frank, this is this comes easy to you because your parents were probably successful in business and probably were taking you um, around to meet their friends and their network when you were just a kid. And so, you know, it just comes naturally to you. Mm -hmm. What we always find out is that's usually not the case. So tell us about your creation story. How do you get into this whole thing of building Amspirit? Yeah, no, you know what? I, I, that is not my story at all as far as parents. <laughs> um, I love my parents. My, my mom was a teacher. My dad was a professor and um, really kind of grew up in a world where education was, you know, was the king. Get, get good grades. Um, you know, do well in school, learn, get the credentials, work hard and everything works out for you. Um, and that, you know, it's true to a point, but it's not the whole story. My backstory, I live in Columbus, Ohio. I came here to go to law school. Didn't know anybody. I moved here to go to law school, got a law degree, got an MBA from the Ohio State University. And I left and went into public accounting as a tax consultant, uh, helping large companies, um, be strategic about their tax, uh, their tax situation. It was a great job. It was a great pay. I didn't want to do taxes for the rest of my life. So I decided to leave and to go and go into private practice. And a funny thing happened when I went into private practice. And the funny thing was that nothing happened. I had no idea how to get clients. Um, when you work in a big firm like that, they just have the work and you just come in and do it. And the whole notion of client development, I was never at that level. And uh, so being out on my own, I, you know, you talk about those bad actors at networking events. That was me. And I really had no idea what I should be doing. And it was very complicated as an attorney because we're really not supposed to be cold calling people. Not that that works anyways. Um, so I struggled for uh, a bit. I was definitely afraid of having to go and get my job back. But somebody along the way suggested that as I'm building this law practice, I get into a tips club, a leads group, like a BNI. And there wasn't BNI in town, fortunately, I guess, um, because there was another organization that was based out of Pittsburgh. I got involved, uh, joined the chapter. And when I say got involved, I became its first president. I got on a national advisory board, became its first franchisee. But when I first showed up and they explained the concept to me, it just it all made sense that I could lift my whole world up by helping other people become successful and just trusting that it would come back to me. And that's just such an easy concept if you stop and think about it, because I can talk about you guys, Sean and Lacey, I can talk about you all day and, hey, these people are great and what a story, what a neat business and feel really good about myself. But when we self-promote for 30 seconds, we want to take a nap. I mean, it's just exhausting. And in this sort of networking, you don't need to do that. You just help other people and trust it comes back to you. So long story short, I had an opportunity in the early 2000s to buy it out, and I did. And I stopped the practice of law. This is really meant for me, really kind of my journey. I rebranded it as Amspirit Business Connections, and uh, it changed the tra trajectory of my life. I've gotten into podcasting. I've written a number of books. Um, I help people in small business America become more successful through the relationships around them. What a great story. And I love that you are a self-admitted bad actor mm -hmm. at the uh, networking events. So I'm curious, because um, you said you heard the concept and it made a lot of sense to you. But what are some things that you did to go from bad actor networking to becoming a masterful networker? Like, what would you tell somebody that feels like they're in that first position? 
Well, let me let me just share this little story with you. Um, it's something that was shared to me on one of my podcast episodes a couple of years ago. Um, there's a famous anthropologist out there. Her name is Margaret Mead. And she was in a class and one of the students asked, what was the first sign of human civilization? And she thought about it and as she was thinking, people are thinking, okay, clay pots, weapons, maybe fire. And her response was a healed femur. And she went on to explain, now the femur, you guys are, you guys are doctors, you know, the femur is the bone that connects the knee to the hip. And without modern medical care, it takes about six weeks for that to heal. And she said, you know, in the animal world, if an animal breaks its femur, it's a death sentence. It can't move. It can't go get water. It can't eat. It's a long, painful, agonizing death. But when we came upon human remains where there was a healed femur, the femur was broken and was healed, we knew there was something special because somebody had to stay behind to care for that person. So if you stop and think about that, um, it's really the genesis of networking and how I think about networking is that when people stayed behind to care for this person, two things set in motion. Well, a couple things set in motion, three things we'll say. The first thing is, is that rather than the people going on, leaving the other person behind, they waited and they were at full strength. They were able to, they were able to navigate the world and it was a very dangerous world with you know, four instead of three people, let's say. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is by stopping and helping somebody else, you increase the odds that they're going to return that for you. And the third thing, and this is what it, how it really plays into the things we're talking about here, is if you if you helped others, they were more likely to help you. Well, that gene pool just had, was more likely to carry on. And I like to tell people that I don't care what your race is. I don't care what your religion is, politics, any of that stuff. This DNA of helping other people is, is really part of who we are. And what happens in business and the reason why people become bad actors is they really lose sight of their humanity of, you know what, we're really hardwired to help other people. And if we just surrender to that and trust that it'll come back to us, um, a, a lot of good things will come our way. And so I just learned that I just needed to be patient with it um, and just try and find ways to help other people. And if you help enough other people, then they're going to help you in return. It, and it's just, you know, it didn't happen all at once, but it just sort of slowly happened over time. And I didn't like the feeling of going out and self-promoting. And so, but I loved helping other people. And so you just kind of lean into this good feeling and you see that it's coming back to you. It's easy to kind of double down on that. So tell us a little bit about then the business that you have acquired, what makes it so different than every other one? Because I think that some of sometimes networking events or networking groups, leads groups can lend themselves to that. I mean, I, I, and I, and I'm, I'm loving this conversation. A lot of people actually think erroneously that I am anti networking. Groups. Right. Um, but I think that I am anti certain networking groups. And I think that there are certain things that make a good networking group and make the networking group useful to a user. If, if I, if I sold mortgages and everybody in the group, you know, they were in the fitness industry, they, they sold weights, they had gyms, they sold protein shake, they had no programs than me that might make not necessarily same, not saying necessarily, but that might not make for the best 
best group for me really to me depends on who the clients are that are being served. So because there's other groups have a mix of people and they're passing tons of business. Um, and then what I, what the structure sometimes gets to me because sometimes the structure is just, you know, Hey Frank, stand up and um, we're going to put you on the clock and you say like this little thing and what happens. And we know this even just from business, you know, we work with, you know, James, our videographer will oftentimes stop us because he'll say like, Hey, can you make a video? And then what we do just human nature, we know better. And what we do is we go to this voice, right? Hey, Frank, Sean Dill here with the specific <laughs> chiropractic center. And so sometimes I feel like the structure promotes that. What makes right. your group so successful? How, how is your group structured that will help people to actually get value out of being in a group? Um, well, that's a great question. And I'll start off by saying this. I've had my share of failures. I've had things not work out, you know. Um, what the structure really does, Sean, is it keeps things on track. Um, mm -hmm. And you, in your chiropractic practice, there's a there's a cadence you guys run through to make it work. We get a new patient in, we do this, we do this, we do this. You don't keep reinventing the wheel. And that's really the purpose of the structure. Um, but I think where we become successful is uh, we really focus on trying to help the people in the organization become successful. It's not about the size of the group. Uh, you know, our groups might tend to be smaller than other organizations, and I'm okay with that. I have a group, I kid you not, it's probably 20 years old. I think they're at seven or eight members, and they've been up to 10 and down to five. Um, and I've asked them, I said, why do you guys stay with this? You could just do this all on your own. And they're like, no, we like how this organization helps us get in tune with doing referrals with one another. And so a lot of what we talk about in the organization, there's, there's really three reasons why people don't get referrals. One, they don't have that relationship. People don't know them, like them, and trust them. But the second reason is, and this is probably the biggest reason, is that people fail to educate people on how to recognize opportunities. So for example, a chiropractor, and I've got chiropractors, might say, well, a good referral for me is anybody with a back because I can help anybody. And that's not terribly effective. And so somebody like that, we would pull aside and say, listen, let's help with your messaging. What if your message said, hey, a good referral for me would be that high school football player, that high school athlete who uh, tends to get out of alignment. Football is a very violent sport, tends to get out of alignment. Well, changing that messaging just a little bit, making it a little more narrow, helps people around the room think, oh, you know what? My neighbor's kids play football. How can I bring this up to them? And that's really kind of the third piece. And so the chiropractor would not just have the one message, but, you know, have another message about people shoveling snow or gardening or, um, you know, somebody in a car accident. There's just a whole ton of different messages. And so for us, it's not about just growing the membership. It's about helping the people in the organization embrace the notion of this is what we need to do to be successful. Yeah, I love that concept. And that's one of the things I always loved about networking um, is because so many of us, we go to school for our skill set, right? We learn the yeah. thing that we do and we really struggle with stepping into that entrepreneurship, that business, delivering our message, having um, clarity around our message and having a really good idea of who it is that we serve. And I like the specificity really allows people to to think about you when those things arise. And that's a great way to 
to begin to get, you know, referrals to help other individuals. Okay, I'm going to derail just a little bit because one of the things that you were talking about is is going out there, like putting people first. And I love that concept of going out there with the the heart and the idea that I'm going to help others and it will return to me. And Sean and I say this all the time. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to help Sean and he's going to return the favor directly to me. Right. You have to believe that it's going to come from somewhere. We aren't designed to decide where that should come from. But when does somebody know when they're giving too much and somebody is just continually going to take and is not grateful or will not be willing to reciprocate or help. Like when is, when does somebody, when can somebody recognize this is the point where I should put my, my love, my energy and my help into somebody else. I think a lot of people have difficulty understanding that stopping point. So I'm curious to hear what you say. <laughs> yeah, that is a great question to be perfectly honest. And I have, I have failed at that. I have, you know, I've been wrong. Um, it's, you know, I I look at it this way. I'll give you an example. So my former assistant came to me, um, just emailed me and said, hey, listen, who would you recommend? I need some probate work done or grandmother passed or something like that. Um, and, you know, I referred her off to somebody and I don't really care that the person I sent her to ever sends me anything. I just trust. I know the person I'm sending her to will do a good job. And I know the person I'm sending her to does things for other people. And I just trust that that person doing things for other people, that it'll come back to me. Um, but in time, you get you do get a sense that people are takers, if you will. It's all about them and, and nothing. They never put anything out in the world. I never measure people on what I get. I tend to measure them in a very subconscious way as to what they're willing to do for other people. And I just trust that if they're open to helping others, that eventually it'll find its way back to me. And a lot of times it's not that person necessarily doing something for me. But, you know, when you serve the person well that I've sent you, um, that reflects well on me. And somehow or another, that's going to help me in the long run. Um, so it's a, you know, it's most people lean into there's really three types of people there's there's people givers there's takers and then there's matchers people who are you know i'll do this you do this for me mm. uh, great book out there called give and take by dr adam grant i would i would highly recommend but he talks about it in there um and most people are of the most people are matchers and if you do something for them they kind of feel uneasy like they want to do something back and really a small percentage are takers um and you, you figure it out in time. Yeah. I, I love that yeah. though, to see the judge, because that's what we, we, even for us as individuals, you're kind of judging what you're saying, like I'm putting into this relationship right. and I'm not, they're not even reciprocating in the least. Right. And they seem to be grateful, but I love that reframe of, well, let's look at how, let's they're look at their, others. how they What are they others. doing for, yeah. Because if they're super giving to other people, then I just have, I just had to stick around because it's, it's not that well, they're we not say that giver. the universe will provide in some way, shape or form. It doesn't need to be in direct right. match from the individual yeah. that right. you are working with. I love that right? because I think it's, you know, even, even for us, I think that we can tend to think about what, what are they, 
what what are they reciprocating to me? Not even yeah. matching, but like you had mentioned, I think like, gratitude. Like sometimes they don't. You feel like do they even know? Recognize you know? that I'm. But you doing see, all this? but if you yeah. see that they're grateful as individuals, you see that they're yeah. givers. I, I, that's a great reframe. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think that, and I think that that's always super hard for people, right? Because especially if you are a natural giver yourself, um, you there it's really easy to like, I think sometimes that's where I get us in trouble, right? Because I want to believe that there's good in every single person. And I yeah. want to believe that if I'm out there giving with, with my heart and being grateful and doing right by individuals that in some way, shape or form, they're doing it too. But I love the idea of like consciously trying to pay attention to that. Right. And so yeah. I think that's really, really a great concept. Um, so for the, the, the brand new business owner, um, what do you tell them like when they come to you and say, like, I don't know if this is for me, like, who is this a right fit for to go into a group to find network to start networking? I mean, because you, you uh, we discussed, you John and I, how we believe that, you know, relationships are foundational to growth of a business. But a lot of people, they feel like they have to go out there and just sell their skill and work in the office. So what do you tell to the new business owner how this can help them and elevate them? Well, with with our organization, we invite people to visit um, and just see what it's about. No pressure. We have uh, I've got franchisees out there in different parts of the country and, and all of them have events um, and the they put those events on the calendar and for, for them to be on the calendar, they need to be open to anybody, open to our competitors, open to anybody. No cost should be open to anybody. Um, and so we allow people to get a sense as to who the people are. Uh, our organization, any organization is not for everybody. And I do have people who will come to me and say, hey, what do you think? And I never want to say, hey, it's not for you. But I certainly don't want to say, well, you definitely need to do this as well. Um, you know, if you're brand new in business, you probably need to get some other foundational stuff done. Um I always encourage people as a first step is to get out and volunteer. There's, you know, there's some, there's always need in the community. And the beautiful thing about volunteering is, is that you never do it alone. You're always doing it with somebody else. And you don't even have to be, you don't have to promote yourself when you're out there volunteering. People will figure out who you're about. Um, but people see you volunteering and then they know, okay, this person's a, a good person. And they might ask, well, what do you do? Well, I do mortgages. Oh, wow. You know, um, I know somebody who's refinancing or I've got a question about my mortgage and and good things come from that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very pro Amspirit Business Connections. I'm, you know, but I'm also I'm more pro. Hey, let's just, you know, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. And I talk to a lot of people where we don't even have a, any groups, but I try to help them. And I just know that it'll, it'll come back. Well, how would somebody know? If there is a group by them, how can somebody learn more about Amspirit Business Connections and explore whether or not that is even an option for them? Uh, our website, amspirit.com, which is A-M-S-P-I-R-I-T.com. Uh, uh, we have a listing of all the chapters. You can drill down and you can see all the members and all the chapters. So you can kind of see where they're at. But I'm always open to having a conversation with somebody about if they want to start a chapter. Uh, I have a chapter in Miami, Florida. A woman approached me last year. Listen, I want to have a group. Um, she didn't want to be associated with uh, uh, particular competitors. Helped her start a group. Um, talking with somebody in Portland, or, or excuse me, Portland, Maine, um, the other Portland, 
the one that's not burning. Um, <laughs> Portland, Maine, Denver. Um, talk to somebody in Louisville, uh, Dayton, Ohio. Um, and I just, you know, kind of go through this is what it takes to build a group. And, um, you know, it, some people embrace that and others don't. Um, I always tell people that there's no cost to talking and there's certainly no cost to trying to put a group together. So um, a lot of people take us up on it and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Well, I hope that people will explore this. I love that idea too. I think a lot of our listeners fall in the category. I think that's very attractive. Yes. Of, oh, I want to start, start one. They love that. Start. You get a little bit of, a little bit of control and it's not necessarily a good thing, but you get to curate the people yeah. like we were saying, so that you are able to get a good group of people. And so um, highly encourage everybody to reach out and speak to Frank. If that's something that speaks to you, uh, Frank, you absolutely killed it today. And I, I know that so many people are going to be very inspired. And what I hope for everyone is that um, people will sh make that shift. Um, you know, networking doesn't have to be so, robotic and right. you know bad acting one one one, um, one. you can cr create some really amazing relationships that yep. can bear amazing fruits not just in your business but in your life and not even just in your business in life but in you know people around you we always talk about too one of the things that's you know we we were having some discussion with frank earlier like i even think like our team like how much our team gets from relationships Absolutely. they send them gifts they take care of them so relationships are are something that are exponential um in their dividends but you have to learn how to do it right and frank definitely one of the experts thank you so much for joining us today on the none of your business podcast i appreciate you guys having me thank you all right everybody well we'll try and match this again next <laughs> week we'll be back again with a brand new episode right here on the none of your business podcast